I'm so grateful for Jeremiah and Tamara's uh, life that they live, the example that they tell. Now, you got to watch the highlight reel right there, but uh, it is every day in the trenches. They want to honor God with their resources the best they can, and uh, we are so blessed to have them as a part of our church. And in a little bit, I want to share with you something that actually Tamara uh, is offering to our church. It's an incredible resource, so we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But uh, this morning, what we're going to be looking at is what you just heard from Jeremiah and Tamara's story. Uh, we're going to be talking about something that doesn't get talked about enough, certainly not in church. And we're going to be talking about it very honestly, very openly, and with a great amount of hope, because what we're talking about today has actually become a source of national crisis for our country. And in fact, it's become a source of global crisis as we kind of look across the pond and look around the world and see literally what it looks like for nations to go bankrupt. And you ask, how can that happen? What happened? We're going to kind of trace back the source of that today. What we're going to be looking at today, uh, we're not messing around. It, it is a uh, it has caused, at least in some people's lives, a tremendous amount of stress and pressure and anxiety. What we're looking at today has led to higher divorce rates, led to higher suicide rates, and has led to a general sense for many people of hopelessness and despair. It's something that the Bible speaks to very clearly and very consistently, but we don't talk about enough in our culture. And so I just thought on that Happy note, we can just pray and wrap up the message right now, and I think we all feel pretty good right now, don't we? No, actually, what we're going to be looking at is debt, and specifically, we're not only we're going to look at some of the realities that it has and it plays in our lives, but we're going to look to the other side of debt. If debt is the dark side of our finances, we're going to look to God for His light and life and hope and truth, and we're going to explore together through God's Word. We're going to camp out on a real brief but powerful passage, and then we're going to get a vision from God's Word uh, from another passage in the Old Testament. Uh, But what we're going to look at is the power that God has given every one of us. And it literally boils down to a single solitary word that we're going to explore together and we're actually going to uh, accept and receive the invitation that God has given us this morning to saying and to using that word. But before we get into all that, we're going to do a little bit of multitasking. Uh, We're going to receive an offering right now. We do that every week. Uh, It's uh, one of the ways that we say thank you to God. It's one of the ways we give back to God. Uh, It's part of our worship to Him. Now, I'm sure every one of us will say we probably don't have all the things that we want, but we know that we have more than we need. And when we stop to think about that, we recognize that actually comes from a good and generous God. This is just one of the ways that we say thanks back to Him. So we're going to do that as part of our worship right now. I know we're in the middle of a money series, and you're thinking, oh, this is the whole reason they're doing the money series, is so that you know, they can double their offering. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. You totally <laughs> caught us. And uh, no, we do this because this is a personal thing between us and God. This is a personal faith-stretching thing that we want to do. But while we're doing that, I want to ask you to ask the person next to you a question. Now, this is a complete stab in the dark. I'm giving you no context. But if you had to guess at currently how much our country owes in just consumer debt alone, so not our national debt or all the debt that our leaders and politicians have sort of gotten us into, just we the people. How much do we, the people, owe right now today in our country? If you had to take a guess, what would it be? So as you're giving, and maybe the Lord prompts you to give the amount that you just said to the person next to you, just follow that leading. But go ahead, we're going to actually receive our offering, and then go ahead and share with the person next to you. How much do you think we, the people, owe right now? All right. Now, there's, I mean, I know you're just throwing numbers at a dartboard, but maybe this might kind of enlighten or highlight just how significant this issue of personal debt 
is and how it has effect not only on our lives personally, but how it has effect on our country. Currently, right now, as a nation, just we the people owe $2.4 trillion. <laughs> is that a little higher than you might have guessed? Maybe a little lower? So that's pretty significant. So if you kind of boil that down to every one of us, that, that averages out to about $7,800 of debt per person, if you kind of spread that number out across. That seemed like a lot to you. And this is pretty significant. What, uh, and that, again, that's just consumer debt. This is what's interesting. Uh, one in 10 consumers, one in 10 people, have more and own more than 10 credit cards in their wallet right now. And that may be, that may be you, that may be how you're like Jeremiah said, that may be how you were raised. But average, one in 10 people has more than 10 credit cards in their wallet at any given moment. One in 50 households carry more than $20,000 in credit card debt. That's not mortgage. That's not car loans. That's not school loans. That's just credit card debt. One in four college students use their credit card to pay for tuition. So there's a bunch of folks who owe a bunch of money on school loans, and maybe that's part of your story. One in four, 25% of current college students pay for schooling by using a credit card. And this number should literally make you sick. The last time they have recorded data for this is 2006, because I think they got sick of recording this. $51 billion of fast food alone was charged to Americans. That's 2006. That's five years ago. That's before the Dorito taco at Taco Bell. <laughs> so God only, we may have crossed that number like this last week. It's pretty significant. Now, can you get just a small glimpse? As you, if you kind of zoom out for a second and go, wow, this is, this is a pretty big deal. It seems as though it should be a national crisis. Why aren't we talking about it more? And there has been a response. The Occupy movement has said, no, we want to draw attention to this. The problem is we've sort of looked out there to solve the problem. What we really need to be occupying is our own purses and our own wallets. And going, what's going on in here that I, that I could be a part of a culture like that or make choices like that? And every one of us faces those in different ways. And I know with what we're going to be going into in God's Word today, there are many in this room who've made hard choices, difficult choices to avoid debt or to get out of debt. And, and, you know, the stuff we're going to be sharing is mostly for those who may be currently in it or who are about maybe to get married or to start a job and have more money than they've ever had. We want to speak God's words of truth into you. But if you've kind of fought that good fight and you know what it's like to discipline yourself to the Lord and to get out of debt, I expect a lot of amens from you today, all right? So if that is you, this is your moment to go amen because you know how powerful, how true, how real this stuff is that we're getting into today. Our nation uh, is literally completely... How blind is it the fact that we are in a major consumer credit crisis? So we're aware of the housing market crash. We're aware of Wall Street. We're aware of all that. But it's our own personal bank accounts that we tend to be or seem to be blind to. You've heard the metaphor before of uh, frog in the kettle, that you can slowly kind of turn the heat up in the water and the frog doesn't know that you're actually boiling it, eventually cooking it, you know, because it just kind of keeps adjusting and adjusting and adjusting. When it comes to our culture currently, and our, specifically our consumer debt, we are a frog in a kettle in a house that's on fire on top of a volcano. Like, it is significant. It is significant. And you may personally have already felt some of the ramifications of what happens when we sort of reach into our future to pay for something in our present. And that's really a lot of what we're talking about this morning. That's what it boils down to. That's what God's Word speaks so clearly. The effects of what happens when we reach into our future to money that we don't currently have to pay for something that we currently want, it ends up, it ends up catching up to us, and we end up paying for it every, every time. 
In fact, as we looked at last week, as we kicked off the series, and if you missed it, you can go back and watch that online, listen to the podcast, because we talked about the fact that our current economic model, our current economy, is built upon and based upon the premise that you will be unwise. You think about the credit card industry. There would be no credit card industry if every one of us acted with wisdom when it comes to our resources. But they basically have predicated their industry on the fact that you and I will not only be unwise, but that we'll be foolish and that we will reach into our future to borrow money to pay for things that we want in our present. And what we looked at last week was, no, if, if that's what they believe to be true about us and they are expecting and counting on us to be full, what does God desire for us? And what God desires for us is that we would be wise. As we looked at last week, when it comes to our resources, God is not trying to get something from us, but God actually has something, what? For us, that God actually has something for you. When an entire industry is banking on you to be a fool, God says, no, I have wisdom for you. I have courage for you. I have tough, disciplined choices for you. I have blessing for you. And we look at kind of the credit card industry specifically as we're talking about debt this morning. They have something for you as well. It's a hundred new ways to get something from you. Their, their job is to get you to respond in a way that is unwise, that is foolish. And so the question for us to consider as we continue to move forward in this series and in our lives is who will we trust? Who will we entrust our resources to? A, a group, an entity that expects us and counts on us and makes their living off of us being foolish? Or a God who says, no, 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 I have wisdom for you, life for you, financial freedom for you, blessing for you. Who will you trust? There are over 800 verses in the Bible specifically addressing and dealing with money and what we can do with it and what it does to us. We're going to look at one very short, very true verse. It comes out of the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. This is one of those things that it doesn't matter where you're at in your spiritual journey. You know, you may say, I'm a Christian, I've been doing this for a long time. You may say, I'm just kind of checking this thing out. This is kind of one of those things that's true no matter how you slice it. That's how generous the wisdom of God is. So if you would, please, would you grab a Bible and open up to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Now, here's the deal. If you didn't happen to bring a Bible with you, grab the blue Bible that's in front of you. It's on page 603. As we say every week, if you don't currently own a Bible, the Bible that you're now holding in your hands is yours. We believe in God's word, the truth, the wisdom, the freedom, the life that's in this word, that we want to give it to you as a gift. So how great is that? You go to church, you hear about money, you get to steal a Bible. So please... Do that and brag about it afterwards because we believe that God has freedom for you and it's found in his word. Proverbs 22, 7 says this. Now just tell me if this isn't true. This is just one of those things. It says that the rich rule over the poor. Now God is not saying that this is okay. God is not saying this is how it should be. In fact, that is not how it should be. There's a great inequity in our economy and in our world between the rich and the poor, the have and the have not. But what we have found to be universally, historically true is that the rich always tend to rule over the poor, don't they? And maybe you've experienced this or felt this. Maybe you grew up poor. You grew up in a family or a part of a neighborhood that felt as though the world were working against you. The rich always end up ruling over the poor. And that's not right, but it's just one of those things that happens. So God's saying, I don't want you to miss this. This is true. The rich always rule over the poor, and the borrower is always what? 
slave to the lender. That's not pulling any punches. God is using very explicit language here. to say, look, the borrower, those who tend to go to others to reach into their future, to pay for something they want in their present, always end up being a slave to the lender. Now, in this culture, when this was written, this book of Proverbs was written, that culture would go, oh yeah, I get that. Half of the folks who had heard these verses, they trickled down, were probably slaves or owned slaves. And so the metaphor worked. For us in our culture today, it may not seem as relevant, but you know, it's amazing. Our current um, consciousness as people, slavery's come back to the table. We've opened our eyes to realize that there are 27 million people living in slavery right now in our world today. That's unacceptable. And so now what we realize, we thought kind of the conversation about slavery maybe is like a Bible thing or an old thing, or maybe it's part of old American culture. No, it is going on in the world right now, today. The metaphor is powerful and real. Many of you watched the movie Coney 2012 this last week, put out by the Invisible Children. And they're trying to raise awareness. Maybe you saw on CNN or the Day Show, they're saying, no, this is happening. This word is incredibly relevant today. And it's a travesty against humanity. And I think what happens now is our hearts are going to go, okay, yeah, I think I understand that a little bit more. That's something that happens kind of over there and out there. And it happens to people who don't maybe have a choice or they got were fooled or deceived. What I want you to do is kind of take the emotion that is wrapped around that image and imagine that when it comes to you and your finances. Is it possible that you are currently a slave to a financial institution? Now, it doesn't look or feel the same of anything else we see around the world and we may be passionate about, but there are principles that are similar. And if you kind of don't believe me, I want to walk you through Uh, just an image of what this sort of financial slavery looks like that God is speaking about here in Proverbs, that a slave always, a person who borrows is always slave to the lender. I want to put up a uh, a little little illustration here. Uh, Let's take a nice night out here in Chicago, okay? Take a nice night out. Many of you are married, and I know that you go on regular dates with your spouse two or three times a week, and so you know, that's good, I expect that you do, no one's saying anything. People are just squirming. There's some elbows. But the point is, you go out and you know what it's like, right? Especially if you have kids. You know that it, it costs about $150 just to get a babysitter. And so you know that it, it's not cheap, right? Or maybe you go out on a date. You take your boyfriend out or your girlfriend out. You all go out to do something. Go to a nice place to eat. You valet the car. Like, it can add up very quickly, right? It can add up. So this number isn't crazy. $150. But let's say you're on this great romantic evening with your significant other, everything's great, everything's nice, the vibe is right, and you decide at the end of the night, you know what, I'm going to pay for this with my credit card. It's no big deal. This is kind of the deal. I've kind of have several of these, so I'm going to pay with my credit card. And you don't even really think twice about it because, you know, the date's going that great. And so you pay with your credit card, and I'm going to just kind of paint out what happens uh, if you were to do that. On a $150 date, you'll pay just on that alone if you make the minimum monthly payments, $21 in interest, and it will take you 18 months to pay that date off, bringing the grand total to $171 for your $150 date. Now, some of you are like, that's a pretty good deal. All right, this is why we're doing this series. This is why we're teaching this. Right? It's not a good deal. Because here's the reality. For a lot of guys in this room who are single, you're not even going to remember her in 18 months. But you'll still be paying for that date. Now, does that feel free to you? 18 months later, you're still paying off that extra bottle of wine. Does that feel free to you? Let me paint another picture, a little closer to home for us. Uh, This last week, uh, we have a 1996 Honda Accord, the old 96er. 
And she, literally, we keep saying we're going to drive her till the wheels fall off. And they have yet to fall off, but they almost did this last week. And while we were driving, our muffler gave up the will to live and jumped from the chassis to the ground. <laughs> took several things with it as it went. And so we had to take it to the shop to get it fixed. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, maybe you've had to do that before. You, you know, your car you've had to take in and it always ends up being more than you expected it to be and always tends to be more than you actually have in the bank to cover. So you have a $1,000 car bill and you say, you know what? I, can't, I don't really have that right now, and I have this $150 date coming up tonight, so uh, I'm going to pay with my credit card right now, because I need to get my car, because I have to work, and my other car, well, my wife has, and then I know there's the third car, that, so, you know, i got to get this car fixed, and so you go ahead and you pay with your credit card on that $1,000 repair. You'll pay, if you just pay the minimum monthly payment, $798.89 in interest alone. And it will take you 10 full years to pay off that $1,000 repair, bring your grand total up to $1,798.89. Listen to me. Your car will not be on the road in 10 years. You will have forgotten the car and the girl by that time, okay? But this is what happens. In a moment, we say, I'm going to reach into my future to pay for something in my present, thinking that maybe someday the windfall will come or I'll be able to catch up. It is so prevalent in our culture, and we are bombarded every day with messages that say, no, this is the way we do it now. This is the way we do it now. And what we don't see, what we don't tend to see, is that we are suffering from a very real sense of financial slavery, of being indebted to, of being owned by. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And it's so easy to just go, oh, this is just kind of like, it's the way it is, or it's the way I grew up, or I'm kind of too deep in the hole right now to really make any changes. No, that's not true. God has such a better picture and vision for your life than just being a slave to a lender. He has a far greater vision for your life and your resources than that. He wants to free you from that form of financial slavery. And the way he has done that is he's given you a very powerful word. It's a very small word, a very simple word, but it carries a lot of weight. This word, in fact, is the word that many times literally is the dividing line between the wise and the foolish. This single word is what many times divides our wise motives and our wise decisions from our foolish ones. It's actually for many of us, for many of you, it's the first word you ever learned but it's the last word we tend to remember when it comes to our finances and our desires and the things that we want in the present. Anyone want to guess what that word is? Please, what you got? Get it? Because it's no. Okay, so the point is, no is the word. No is the word. The word that God has given you with great power, great wisdom, great courage to say is no. And I don't think we say it. I don't think I say it enough. And it, it can be literally the dividing line between wise and foolish. And it can be the word that literally tr- like creates a new trajectory for your finances and for your future. The word is no. And I just don't think you said it clear enough previously. So I want you to say it again. Can we say the word no? no. Say it like you really mean it. No. Good. It feels great. It's a positive environment. No is the word. No is the word. Again, You learned that as a kid. You said that a hundred times as a kid. We just don't say it enough as adults when it comes to our resources and our finances. 
No. In fact, I want to make it um, as specific as possible, as helpful as possible. So I want you to to trust me to do something here that may seem a little weird at first, uh, but I think it'll actually pay off. Would you get your wallet or your purse out and pull out any credit card right now that you don't have under control? Now, I'm going to leave that to your discretion, but if you'd like us all to take a vote, we can. But I want you to actually pull out any credit card right now that you owe on. Uh, and this is serious. It's not like a, a metaphor or something. Like, I actually want you to hold your actual credit cards. And I know you're kind of freaking out. Like, oh my, are they going to take another offering? No, we're not. We're not. Well, may, no, we're not going to. We're not going to do that. Uh, this is really, this is now between you and God, and this is a moment of decision. So go ahead, and you may have two or three or four. Pull them all out. I want you to remember this moment, the significance and the power and the wisdom that God has given you in those two letters, N-O, no. All right. Many of you are talking to your credit cards right now or you're <laughs> saying it's going to be okay or I'm not walking them through this. All right. Would you, can you kind of hold it up and let me see if you have one? Would you hold it up and you're comfortable doing this? Can I see it? Actually, literally, it's not a magic trick either, folks. Okay, I'm really serious. If you have a car that is in any way sort of gotten a hold of your heart is a little out of control and you'd be honest enough in this moment to admit it, I want you to hold that in your hand. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at that credit card right now. I literally want you to say to it, no. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Go ahead, say it. Oh, no, say it like a two-year-old. No, 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 it's not okay. No, 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 no. I'm not going to borrow for my future to pay for my present. No, I will not be enslaved to some financial institution that is banking on me being unwise. No, not this year, not another year, not another card, not another amount of debt that keeps accruing and accruing and accruing and keeps me from living more freely and fully the way that God created and intended me to live. No. Now listen, someone at some point is going to say no to you when it comes to your credit cards. Either you say it now, no, no. Every time an envelope comes in the mail and it has a new credit card, new application, you've been accepted. You are awesome. You can spend more money. You know what you say to it? No. Like you literally say no. Throw it in the trash. Light it on fire. Do whatever you have to do. No, I will not. No, I will not be unwise when it comes to my resources. No. Because at some point, if you don't say no now, someone's going to say no for you later. It could be for the rest of your life. You will have corporations and institutions telling you no to the choices, the opportunities that maybe God has brought in front of you, places for you to give, places for you to bless others, to to enjoy life with your family. You are going to hear the word no from them for the rest of your life if you don't say no. No, now. In fact, this is a beautiful promise from God. And we're going to look at this in a second. Learning to say no now. You and I, learning to say no. Whether it's to new credit cards that come or the current ones we have, that promise of reaching to our future to pay for our present. Learning to say no now leads to years of yes later. You might want to write that down. You might want to write that down like on your wallet or purse. Because it's just true, and I, I forget that in the moment. When I want something, I want it, I want it now. The word is no. Because if I say no now, 
that opens up the possibility for years of yes later. And we have two kids, Elijah and Gigi. They're six and three. And, you know, they're kind of at that age when they're watching a show on TV. If we can't get to the remote and fast forward soon enough, there's inevitably going to be some ad that they see that they want. And it doesn't, I mean, it really doesn't matter what it is. It's just a thing. And they want it. And it's, you know, it's shiny. And, you know, they kind of look, oh, I want that, I want that. In fact, Gigi, last week was, there was a commercial for a blanket that actually has a puppet at the end of it. And, 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 and I don't even know, it's like the blanket. I don't even know what they call it. But she saw the commercial, she said, Dad, I want that. I'm like, sweetie, that is like one step away from a Snuggie. No. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. No. And, you know, it's just a simple thing in the moment. And, I, and I, I, it's hard as it is to say because I love my kids. We love our kids. And when I hear them say, oh, can I have this or I want this or, you know, Elijah's little basketball hoop broke in the basement. Daddy, we need to get a new hoop. I'm like, oh, I want you to have a new hoop. I love when you play basketball. Yeah, I want to do that. We, but just not right now because... You know, we just don't have the money saved up for that. And I could very, very, very easily, I could very easily sort of reach into our family's future to buy some happiness for our kids in that moment. And believe me as a father, for those of you who are parents, that is a strong desire, isn't it? You want to see your kids happy. You want to see them enjoying life, right? I mean, that's just part of what it means to be a parent. And as strong as that desire is in me, both Gene and I have to say to our kids, oh, no, we're not going to buy the it or whatever it is. We're not going to, no, we're not going to do that. And here's why. Here's why. You know, we, we, we're going to save our money. We're going to use our resources well. Just because it's out there doesn't mean I have to get it. And we want to thank God for what we have. And I'm telling you, it is not easy. Because as a father, I want nothing more for them to be happy. But do you know what I want at a deeper level? It's the same thing that God desires for me and he desires for you. We are saying no to them now so that they will be able to say it later. That's hard to do. But when we we say no to our kids, to the things they want or the ads they see or whatever it may be, the reason we're doing that is because we want them to be able to, when they're adults, to be able to look at things and go, no, I I don't need that. Or no, I don't have to do it that way. No, I don't have to reach into my future to pay for something I want in my present. No. No. And that is God's heart and God's desire for you as a perfect father. And there are times where it feels like you don't get what you want. You wonder, God, why won't you just let me be happy? You ever found yourself saying that? Why can't I just be happy? Could it be that God is saying no to you now so that you will learn to say no for yourself? There's so much power and so much wisdom in that simple word, no. And when we learn to say no now, God gives us a beautiful promise that there are years of yes ahead of us. Not yes to just whatever we want, whatever we want it. No, years of yes to the right things. Years of yes to opportunities that God brings in front of us. Years of yes to blessing our family. Years of yes to blessing our neighbors and those around us. No now leads to years of yes later. And there's a beautiful little section of Scripture where God paints this promise out for us. And it's all the way back in sort of the beginning of the story of the nation of Israel. Before the nation of Israel was the nation of Israel, they were the people of God. A group of wandering nomads that tried as best they could to follow God, to follow the hope of a promise He'd given to them for a future, for years of yes. 
And so in that moment where they are moving from just this people of God into the nation of Israel, God lays out a way of life for them, a beautiful way of life for them, where he as a good and loving father saying, look, I'm going to tell you no to this so that you can say yes to this. No to this so that you can say yes to this. I want you to look at the vision that's given to that group of people that I believe God is giving to our church and giving to you as an individual and to your family. So it's found in the book of Deuteronomy. You have to jump back if you're in the Blue Bibles or in any Bible, all the way to the left, back to page 176. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy 15, page 176 in the Blue Bible. Let me give you a little context. What God is describing here to the, to the people of God is we're just coming out of this idea of this year of Jubilee where God explains to his people that every seventh year there will be a time where you just kind of wipe out the debts of what people owe you. That if anyone kind of owes you money or kind of owes you on land, you would literally wipe out the debt. This is a beautiful thing I think all of us are interested in, right? Like, how do I vote for Jubilee? Where's that? Like, I want that, right? Because God's saying, look, I know what happens. Even people with the best intentions drift and wander. And so there's going to be a time where we sort of can level the playing field so that we can all say yes to God. And as he's describing that to them, he says these words of what that kind of community might look like, to say no now so that we can say yes and have years of yes later. Verse 4. God says, however, even given all of that year of Jubilee and all that, there need be no poor people among you. I want you just to pause. You've got to love the audacity of God. There There doesn't need to be poor people among you. That, that, that is a construct we've created. There doesn't need to be poor people among you. When the people of God are living as the people of God and the kingdom of God is actually on earth as it is in heaven, there need be no poor people among you. This is the vision that the first church remembered and the Holy Spirit reignited. There need be no people in need among you. You don't, you don't have to have a campaign to eradicate Poverty, it's small little daily decisions you make every day. Say yes to me. There need be no poor people among you. He goes on, for in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, so we talked about last week, that God is actually the one who gives us or entrusts us the resources we have. So he says, for in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance. So God's making it very clear. I am giving you a gift as a land, as a people. He will richly bless you. There will be years of yes. If, now this is very clear, if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. So do you see what's going on here? He's saying, look, years of yes come from disciplined days of no, now. So if you listen to me and follow my ways, you will experience blessing like you couldn't even possibly imagine. So then God goes on to explain what it looks like. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from how many? None. What a beautiful, powerful picture. This is God's idea. You will, you will be so richly blessed that there will be so much yes that you will lend to many nations and borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. Now, just for those of you who kind of know your Bible history, is that the path that Israel chose? No. It wouldn't be long before they'd forget the ways of God and wander again and go through seasons of calling out to God to be their Savior and then rejecting Him as their Lord. Calling out for God to save them and then rejecting His ways. Not all that unlike our own lives. Going on, verse 7. It says, if anyone is poor 
among your people, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God has given you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-hearted and freely lend them whatever they need. It's a very progressive vision from God. But God is saying, look, if you say no now to all the things that you want that you have to reach into your future to pay for, if you say no to that, you will be free enough to say yes to people who have need around you. And it will be your joy and delight. And so many times our prejudice against the poor, the oppressed, the overlooked, comes from our own fear and anxiety that we're not going to have ours. And they're out to get it. Or I don't have enough and I'm already enslaved as it is, so I don't even have margin to give to them. I hear that that's a great cause. Soul City, I love that you're giving this money to Brown Elementary and investing in there, or you're giving to Breakthrough Ministry. That's fantastic. But I'm so strapped, and whether we use the word or not, enslaved, I can't even do that. God says, I know, I know, I know. If you learn to say no now, there will be years of yes. Years of yes. And it doesn't just mean you know, financial, just bags of money. That's not at all. It's yes in your heart. You'll have an open heart. You will delight in following the promptings of God. And you will actually be able to. It's a powerful vision that God has given for our lives and for our church. Can you imagine what that would look like as a church? I mean, you think about church in this city, what you know, most people tend to think is it's a bunch of hypocrites and they're out to get my money. Can you imagine if a church said, no, 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 we're saying no to a bunch of things you'll never even see so that we can actually say yes and give more. We want to be so committed to our neighbors, specifically our neighbors in need, that we can literally lavish the blessing of God on them as God blesses us as a church. We'll say no to these things over here. Yeah, could we need more lights? Sure, yeah. We could, we, we, it would be great to have more lights around here. Do we, could we use a brand, you know, brand new computer for this? Sure, that'd be great. You know what? We can say no to that for now because we'd rather be able to have these resources to invest into the lives of our neighbors and those who are in need within our church. And that's not just a vision for church. That's a vision for your life and for my life. It's not easy, but it's powerful. And it starts with a very simple, small word, no. 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 I will trust God. I will wait upon the Lord. I don't need this now. God will provide for me. And for those of us who are in debt, for those of us who find ourselves kind of just completely underwater, there's great hope found in this. God's desire for you is to be free. God actually has a plan for you to be free. It's hard. And this is what's so great about God and so generous about God. He's not just going to do it for you, but he will do it with you. Because he not only wants you to be free, he wants you to grow in the process. So you can learn what it's like to say no and to say yes. And it starts with little decisions, little daily decisions that you and I make. And I want to let you know... Um, two of those specifically, and then one that we're all going to do here for a second. But if you're in a place where you go, you know what, I, I want that kind of life, that no now for years of yes later kind of life. Um, you've heard us talk about, and, and we just think it's very helpful. We're hosting the Dave Ramsey event here this Saturday. Now, here's the deal. We don't like get a bonus if more people sign up. It doesn't work that way. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful resource. Great financial wisdom and teaching that comes from God's word. 
So you're a very dynamic communicator. And I, we don't want you to miss it. We're so, we're, we're so pleased that we can offer that as a resource to you and to, our, to the neighborhood and to the city. And so I would encourage you, right after the service today, you can go to the iPad, sign up for that, sign up online, because we're going to have to eventually shut registration down. We don't want you to miss the spot to really say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take this step, this next step for me is coming here on Saturday and really being open and honest. What we talk about here at Soul City on the weekends is like the top 25% of the iceberg. An event like this gets down like 25% more. And then this is what's so cool, to get down to that really beneath the surface stuff, Tamara Durbin, who you saw in the video earlier, is actually going to be teaching a class for 10 weeks on Tuesday nights on how to be financially free, using the resources from Dave Ramsey and using God's word as our source. Here's the great part. She's going to be teaching that class on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock right here at the church. And here's the best part. It's free. It's another free thing. So if you're in a place where you're like, yeah, I need that kind of help, and and a lot of us are, I would encourage you, it starts on March 20th. Sign up, and here's how you can do it. A little uh, welcome card. See the green card right in your seat back in front of you? If you're like, you know what, I'm in. It's, I, I, wanna, I want to say no to these things now so I can say yes to God for the rest of my life. Would you fill that out? And then when we're done, just drop it off at the concierge. Again, we, our hope in all of this is that you would look back at March 2012 and say, that was the, year I, that was the, month, I, that was the time I finally, finally surrendered control to God when it came to my resources. And I've seen God grow me and bless me through the process. So there's two things, this Saturday and this Saturday next Tuesday, the 20th, that we want to make available to you so that you can take the next steps. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come up right now because uh, we're going to move into a time of worshiping God, but we have to kind of settle some things before we do. And I want those of you who are holding your credit card, this probably made your hand pretty sweaty at this point, hasn't it? That's good. Because what we want to do in this next moment is we want to take advantage of an opportunity God has given us to worship him with our whole heart. And I'm going to encourage you to do something that may seem really uh, intimidating at first, but it may be the first step towards the freedom as God describes when it comes to your finances. What we're going to do here in a moment is we've set up little altars up here in the front. They're basically tables from Ikea. But (laughs) what we want you to do, again, we're saying no so we can say yes later. So what we want you to do is, uh, you know, would you think about, and even in this moment, would you have the courage to take that credit card, which may have a hold on your heart, your life, to look down that little piece of plastic and go, how is it, how is it that I became a slave to you? And what would it look like for me to be really free? And here's what we've done. We've got a bunch of scissors up here. And so while we worship God with song, we want to worship him with scissors too. And I'd encourage you to bring those cards up and cut them up and leave them on the altar. And I know you may be like, are they going to glue them back together and buy all those lights he talked about? No, no, we're not going to do that. No, because this is very personal between you and God. We would never do that. But we think it's very important. Because that little piece of plastic is going to say no to you for the rest of your life if you don't say no to it today. And by cutting it up here, it doesn't make your debt magically go away because you cut your credit card up in church. It just doesn't work that way. You're going to need to be responsible to like pull out your statement or go online and get serious about it. That's what Dave Ramsey is going to help you do. That's what our financial freedom class is going to help you do. But it starts in an act of defiance right now where you say no. And instead of worshiping the promise of having today 
what I don't have the money for till tomorrow. It starts with this little act of saying, no. No, I don't want to worship this. I want to worship God with my whole heart and all my finances and whatever that looks like and whatever it means. And if it means I have to say no to something tomorrow, I will say no to it because I want to say yes to God for the rest of my life. So we're really not messing around. I really think this could be a powerful and significant moment for you, a first step towards freedom. And so I'm going to ask you, actually, if you would stand right now, keep holding those credit cards, or maybe you need to reach in and grab some. I don't, it doesn't matter what. I have a Banana Republic card, okay, which I'm ready and willing to cut up, right? You know, who, who, I don't need that. I can say no to that right now. So I'd encourage you uh, right now to stand up because that way I'm not going to give you any excuses like I don't want to walk in front of people. We're all going to stand up. And there's stations up here. There's one in the back. I'd encourage you as you cut it up, make a prayer to God. God, God, I want to be free. God, I want to say yes to you. So let me pray for you, pray for us, and take advantage of taking this step right now. Lord, thank you that it is for freedom that you have set us free. It is literally so that we can live a life of freedom that you have actually come to set us free. And God, our freedom isn't just when it comes to salvation or when it comes to relationship with you. It is all aspects of our life, God, including and especially our finances. And so, God, we want to offer up to you an act of surrender. We want to give you our whole hearts, and sometimes that starts, God, for us in our wallets. And so, God, I pray that you would meet us in this moment right now, that we would literally have the courage that you have for us, the wisdom that you have for us, and the power that you are giving to us to say no right now, to offer up to you anything that is keeping our whole heart from belonging to you. God, receive each of these acts of worship, scissors and songs, as prayers that delight your ears. And God, that warm your heart towards your children who are choosing with our lives and our resources to trust you completely. Thank you, God, for meeting us in this moment. In your name.